Arian Simone brings you. Oh, 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 oh my God. Straight off the number one and best selling book, book. It's the Fearless Faith and Hustle Podcast with Arian Simone. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in again to my Fearless Podcast. We are working on our Fearless Faith and Hustle series. And today I have the beautiful Kirsten Grove on the line. Kirsten, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for contributing to the book and sharing your testimony and your story. And it's going to be a blessing to so many people. So I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about first, we're going to go through our entrepreneurial journeys and then our spiritual journeys through this podcast. So tell us how you got into entrepreneurship. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur as a little girl? Was this your dream or did entrepreneurship kind of like find you? No, it's always been my dream. So my whole joke in life is that I'm like a one trick pony. (laughs) And when I was like eight or nine, I would redecorate my bedroom over and over and over again. In fact, it became a, a way for me to escape from life. And you know, my family would laugh at me like 10 years old. My, my request for Christmas was towels and a throw pillow. Like what 10 year old wants towels and a throw pillow? Oh, cute. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Ridiculous. So I've, I've always been drawn to design and I've always been drawn to, um, working for myself and being an entrepreneur. And so it was just one of those things where literally I, you know, I got married young, I had my kiddos young, and I just jumped right into it. And I haven't looked back. And it's just the path that God had for me. And it's been, and it's been hard, but it's definitely been, um, it's been rewarding. And it's, it's exactly what I was meant to do. So now did you have other examples in your lives or your parents entrepreneurs? Was there anybody else around you that you actually saw, you know, in the flesh, like, oh, I want to do what they're doing? Yes. So that is an interesting question because my dad, you know, he was an entrepreneur and he, he had a hard time sticking with something. And so I watched, I guess I watched him, uh, create very successful businesses, but then I also watched him walk away from several successful businesses. And it, you know what it did? It, it grew in me, um, a sense of, wanting to be faithful and wanting to be, um, consistent and not wanting or willing to kind of give things up when it got hard. And so it really created me a drive to work hard. Um, and so yes and no, I saw it and I didn't see it done how maybe it should be to be successful. And maybe that's what drove me to work a little bit harder. That is interesting. My father is an entrepreneur as well too. So I can totally relate. (laughs) Oh, I can totally relate to that example. Um, What do you think that your biggest breakthrough in your business has been to date? Biggest breakthrough would probably be when I realized that I am not perfect and I am comfortable in my own skin. 
I don't know, like business wise, I, I mean, that's not the most um, business savvy uh, moment of awe, but the moment I figured out, you know, this is who I am. I'm no one else. I can't compare myself to anyone else because once I start comparing myself, uh, my business immediately starts failing. And so the moment I think when I turned 35, I'm 37 now, when I turned 35, it was like, oh, this is who I am. Like, I get it. Like, okay, it's time to be me. It's time to be comfortable in my own skin. It's time to run a business how I need to run a business, not how the other designer in the parts of the world runs a business, but how do I run a business? And so I think, yeah, that aha moment was probably growing up and getting a little bit And yeah, we all have that evolution um, as it pertains to our personal lives and our professional lives. So when you were yeah. talking about entrepreneurship yes. and, you know, how it's rewarding, but a lot of hard work and the ups and downs, how do you handle the times of opposition? I, I handle opposition with, I, when I get nervous or overwhelmed, I end up, two things, take a nap <laughs> or I just start laughing and the laugh is probably out of pure nervousness, but it's, it's a way for me to cope and just be like, oh my gosh, I can't take this too seriously because if I take this seriously, I'm going to snap at any moment. Um, and you know, it's funny. I, it, by nature, I'm very, I'm artsy. I'm artistic. I, I think it's the, I would use the right side of the brain more than the left side. Business isn't the most natural thing to me, but um, I have learned to surround myself with people that can help me along the way in the areas that I don't necessarily succeed in. And so those moments <clears throat> when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed is when I kind of re-strategize and I find that person that can really help me oh, that's in that good. situation. Great counsel is always needed. And like you said, you always have to find people who are strong or you're weak. Yes. And that's a lot of creatives though. Um, yes. Though I definitely went to school for business yeah. and very business mm -hmm. structured and business minded. I do understand that a lot of creatives, it, they're truly visionaries. They're like, I just want to create. I just want to be a visionary. Um, yeah. You can take all that yes, other stuff exactly. and somebody <laughs> has to do it. So I totally, definitely get that. Um, and speaking about yeah. this and just opposition, but this is a question I want to ask you. Have you ever encountered the unknown in your business and how did you handle it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. All the time. So because I am a self-taught designer, I didn't go to school for interior design. I felt like I felt like my last I've been doing this for about 12, 13 years. It's literally I've been learning as I've been going. And there have been moments where I have, <clears throat> you know, been hired for a, a large project and just have felt way over my head. And those are the moments when I've been like, okay, Jesus, you gotta help me because literally I am like I'm literally learning as I'm walking through this moment. And, um, and that is when counsel has been obviously very important in my life. Um, but I feel like, yes, that is a very 
normal thing to just kind of stick your head up high and say, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but by the grace of God, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I know that's I'm right. Going said, I'm going this. to succeed in this. <laughs> How do you celebrate your wins? Yeah. Or do you celebrate your wins? So often as female entrepreneurs, people can get so caught up in a, a win just happens and you keep going on with life, but do you celebrate your wins? And if so, how? I do celebrate my wins. I, I have, my husband and I, we've been married for 18 years. And so naturally he is the first person I go to when I have experienced a win and together, you know, we'll go to dinner or we'll just celebrate together. Like, you know, it's, it's exciting. And, um, I am not one to, I always use this example, especially with, um, girls that work for me. I, I always say, you know, we're not about tooting our own, our own horn. That's not who we are. We need to be humble. We need to be hard workers, but there are times when we really do succeed and we need, we do need to celebrate those moments because those moments naturally, um, push us to the next level. So it's not, it's not like Mm -hmm. a bragging moment, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing, but, um, I'm probably not one to like shout it across (laughs) the web, (laughs) you know, though my husband's like, you need to talk about this. This is awesome. No, I definitely, I definitely like your approach and can definitely appreciate it. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about um, just encountering the unknown and, okay, God, you're going to have to just walk me through this. How has your relationship with God um, evolved over time? Is this something that you were raised Christian and you were like, oh, this is, or did you encounter a situation in life and you're like, this is where my relationship with God pretty much started and evolved from here? Mm-hmm. So I was born, I was born into a pastor's home, though my hus- my, my father left the ministry when I was about mm, six or seven. Um, and so I, I got saved early on. Uh, but then fast forward junior high years, the family dynamic got very, very rocky. And so I had a moment of questioning God and questioning everything. And then if you read my testimony, um, also in junior high is when, uh, I had my surgeries and had my ovaries removed. And so there was that, those few years that I just did not know who I was. I didn't know who God was. Um, I wasn't, I didn't trust my family. And so I would say that my relationship with God really like genuinely started when I was about 16 and I was at a, a church camp. And church camps, they get you, you get away, you get away from society and you get away from your friends and you just, you know, go somewhere and you're alone with God. And, and that's really when I gave my all to him. And since then I've never looked back. Um, and I can honestly say that I am who I am a hundred percent because of him. And he has been my shepherd. He has led me and guided me through every situation of my life. He's been my father. Um, you know, he's been my best friend. And so my relationship with Jesus is what makes me. That is beautiful. You know, I'm going to have to rewind for a second. (laughs) And the reason why is because I, you know, I love your testimony and your story and you threw it in there. Explain what happened. Um, with the surgeries and why you had to have surgery and what that was like being a young girl having to experience that. 
Mm-hmm. So when I was 11, I had, um, or when I was 12, I had my appendix removed. And in the process of them removing the appendix, it actually burst and they didn't get all the infection out. And so fast forward uh, three to four months later, I had two tomato-sized cysts grow over each ovary. Well, when they rushed me into the emergency room, um, the doctor on call did not get uh, counsel on the procedure and what to do. And he panicked and he removed both ovaries and my fallopian tube. Uh, Fast forward from that, finding out, you know, hours later, my mom found out what had happened. And then hours after that, after that found out that it was not needed and he could have actually saved uh, my ovaries and my fallopian tube. So that all happened. I want to say two weeks or a week before my 13th birthday. And I was actually in the hospital, I think for my birthday. So here I am, I've just become a teenager, which my son is 13 and I can't even imagine. And my daughter's 12, you know, and I can't imagine something like this happening to her. I mean, it would it would be devastating. And so here I am, 13 years old in the hospital. And my family had waited a few weeks to tell me because emotionally, my father had just walked out on us. And so emotionally, I was very, uh, I was very weak. And again, 13 years old. Um, and so they waited a few weeks to tell me. And so when they, when they finally did, my older brother, he was the one that uh, told me the news. And you know, it crushed me. It crushed my, it crushed my spirit. It crushed my heart. As women, we are born into our identity is, you know, we were fruitful. We, we give birth and, and especially at the time, I think it's a lot different now, 2018, um, adoption Mm -hmm. is a huge conversation, but back then adoption was not a big conversation. Um, and it was one of those things where you can't have kids. Mm -hmm. It's like going back to Bible times. Like when you're barren, you are looked down upon as in, in your society. And so it took a few years for me to heal from the pain of having that taken from my life. Uh, But when I healed, it was amazing what happened. God clearly, clear as day, spoke to me. He will adopt, and you will adopt children that will be world changers. And that was at the same camp that I had really given my life to Jesus. And, you know, now my kids are 12 and 13 and I cannot imagine life without them. I cannot imagine the thought of them not being a grove in our family. And it just shows what the enemy meant for evil. God that is so true. For good. He's too, he's, he's so faithful and he knows exactly. He knows our stories. He knows what it's going to look like. And, you know, I would have birthed a child and, Maybe I would have adopted adopted down the road, but it wouldn't have been as soon as it was. And so just seeing how he orchestrated everything and he took what was so dark and sad and he made I'm it I'm over here beautiful. with tears. I am because I do, I do think it's yeah. beautiful. I love that you said that you healed and I love that you understood. And, you know, you just saw God's hand on the whole process. So what was it like when you met your husband yeah. and, and you guys were dating and had to break this news? 
Yeah. Well, that was a huge thing because I had in high school, I had had many crushes on boys and it, it was one of those things where when they would find out I was unable to naturally have children, it was, you could feel the turn in them. And so I always knew, okay, when, when I meet the, the one I'm going to know, because I'm going to, I'm going to share this with him and he is going to be unaffected and he's going to be right there with me. Right. And so my husband was actually my, my cousin's best friend. And so I had known him for a while. And so when we started liking each other, he knew, I mean, he's known my story. He knew my story before we were dating and our very first date, I, (laughs) I don't even know if I should have done this or I don't know, but I was like, you know, here's the deal. I cannot birth children. So you're either with me or you're without me. And poor guy, he was like, okay (laughs) like wow and he was just amazing he was like that that doesn't matter like you know I just knew I knew right away that he was the one and from day one we have both been passionate about adoption and um orphan care well tell the listeners about your children because if anybody saw a photo of the family (laughs) they would say you got to be kidding yeah (laughs) they look just like you guys I know I know well the crazy thing is is that when so with Ethan my son we went through an agency and you know you fill out the paperwork and then you put preferences on race and color of skin. And we didn't have a preference. We just said, whatever, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to us. We also put down that we didn't, if the, if the child was, um, if the birth mom was on drugs, we would have, we would take the baby. And so, you know, fast forward, Ethan is born and we go to the hospital and both of our, so both of our, children, uh, we adopted from day one. And so we were there at the hospital when the birth parents, when the birth moms gave birth. So Ethan was born, birth dad actually came and brought him to us in the waiting room. It was beautiful. We have it all on video. Um, and when we met the birth mom and birth dad, we didn't think in our minds, oh, they look, they look like they could be family to us. You know, wow, that's going to be awesome. Our kids are going to look like that, like us, like that was never a thought. And so then our son is born and immediately he looks like my father (laughs) or my husband's family, like just my husband's dad. I mean, it's just crazy. And then Eden was, she, she has a full on miracle story in itself. She was a a 17 year old, got pregnant. Uh, She was Christian. Her boyfriend was Mormon. Uh, Family was paying for an abortion under the table. A family friend of ours reached out to her and said, if I fly you to Boise, if I help you with your medical bills, if you are here to have your baby and I find you a family, will you keep the baby? And so fast forward, flew her to Boise, calls us. Ethan is like nine months at the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, another baby. Wow. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to both Shane and I and we just knew right away that we were supposed to adopt this baby. I meet the birth mom and it's like looking at a sister. Like she looks just like my cousins, my family. And I just started (laughs) laughing. We're all very tall in our family. My cousins are all like 5'11". 
I'm just like, what in the world? My daughter is like my little twin. It's the craziest thing. People are all like, are you sure you didn't like, like, you know, I, there's nothing we could have done. Like we didn't choose these children. God chose these children. And you're right. When you look at family pictures, you would never, ever, ever, ever guess that our, our kids are adopted, which is funny because we love talking about adoption and so do our kids. And, um, they want the conversation, but we never get the conversation because no one ever, no one has a clue that they're adopted. And so we just always laugh that it's it just, truly you know, is. It's a miracle. It truly is. Cause every time I even see the pictures, I'm just like, okay, for real God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you clearly did this. You clearly did this. Uh, as it pertains to your life you mentioned about counsel and surrounding yourself with great people earlier do you have any sort of like spiritual mentors or people you turn to for spiritual guidance yes I do and I I feel very blessed I am surrounded by a lot of amazing people uh we go to a great church my husband's on staff at a great church here in Boise and um and then I have family members around the nation in the ministry. Uh, my best friend is a part of a great church in California. Um, and so I, I feel very blessed because there's not a moment when I don't have someone that I can talk to. Um, and yeah, that I don't is truly that beautiful. Granted at all. That is truly beautiful. Well, yeah. the book is based upon my morning routine. That's why it's a devotional. And it's like the exercises that I go through in the morning and a common question that gets asked by so many people, oh my gosh, what's your morning routine? What's your morning routine? So I'm here to ask you now, what is your morning routine? So <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> what do I want my morning routine to be? That's a good question. <laughs> yes. I'll say this. My morning routine is different when I'm the one taking the kids to school or if I'm the one that gets to have an extra couple minutes at home while my husband takes the kids to school. So, for instance, this morning, I, it, was, it was my day to take the kids to school. And they both have to be at school at extra early <laughs> to junior high. And they both go to a different school. 35 like minutes? 35 minutes apart from each other. So that's super fun. Oh, yeah. So we have it down to a science where I get the kiddos up, um, get breakfast, as they're eating their cereal, they're reading their devotion. I have worship music on. Um, I'm getting my coffee ready. And then normally we are like five minutes late. So I'm telling them to get in the car, pray for my son, drop him off because he's just right up the road. And then we have about 30 minutes, my daughter and I, and we are going through a mother-daughter devotion right now. And so she'll read the excerpt from the day. And then we'll pray together. And then after I drop her off, I have another about 15 minutes to my office. So I've got that 15 minutes to just pray. Like, it's just me and Jesus. Like, this morning I was like, oh my gosh, I need you today. It's already a, a tough day. Um, and, then, and then by the time I get to my office, um, you know, it's, it's different. But if I don't have to take the kids to school, then I, will, I get a nice leisurely devotional morning with <laughs> no but with, what, let me tell you what God. I so love that you gave you know, as a mom. um that I think I'm probably have yet to hear just yet so 
even though you don't feel the pressure, oh gosh, I have to get up an hour before the kids to do this, you incorporated your daughter in the process. So it's like, okay, I didn't miss the devotion. We just yes. have to do it together today. And I thought that was so yes. cool. Yes. I did. I was like, that was dope. She's like, yes. I'm not going to let this pretty much just interrupt yeah. the whole day. We'll just have to do it together and we'll have that time. And I think that is beautiful. Yes. That's priceless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and my daughter's 12 years old and this is like, I have like what, four or five years left with her Aww. before she's off to college. And so, so it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I've got to, I've got to incorporate her more and more. Um, but yeah, that's my morning. It just oh, I, always but I thought that ends. was so dope. <laughs> I did. I was like, that is beautiful. That is definitely beautiful. What would you leave the ladies as like an actionable item of something that they could be doing in their life? Like say the book is designed for female entrepreneurs, women like us that are getting up every day, um, just going mm -hmm. for it. What's an actionable item you can give for them to do in their life? Mm -hmm. um, I would say on a spiritual level, uh, for me, one thing that really helps, and especially when I'm feeling overwhelmed from work and from being my own boss, um, is diving in every morning to the Psalms and just reading a Psalm a morning and just really taking my attention off myself and thanking God. I love you know, David, he was a worshiper. And the, the mornings that I am able to start the day off by worshiping and being grateful and being thankful and not just requesting, but really uh, enthroning God, those are the days that I feel have are the most successful for me. Um, and my husband and I have been talking a lot about gratefulness and how important it is. And there was one day where I was trying to exercise gratefulness and I was trying to be grateful for literally everything. Like I was like, we were driving down the road. My daughter was looking at me like, Oh mom, you have lost it. I was driving down the road and I was a car pulled out in front of me. And I was like, thank you God that that car didn't hit me that that car didn't come out, you know, five seconds later and, and hit me. Thank you God that that, bird is you know, my daughter's like, Oh my gosh. But we've just been trying to exercise that because the moment we get our eyes off of ourselves and onto our creator, he's able to use us so much more. Um, and so that would be something on a spiritual level that I would suggest on a practical note. Uh, we can't do it on our own. We cannot, I've tried doing it on my own and I can't. And so just creating and building a team around us and finding, like we talked about earlier, finding those that are exceptional at what we are not and just surrounding ourselves and realizing that we can't do anything. That is great. I know they're going to love this story of yours. They're going to love this message, these actionable items. Where can everybody listening find you? So you can find me on simplygrove.com and my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, it's all Simply Grove. Um, and actually in a couple weeks, I'm going to be launching a new design firm, um, called we three and talking about not being able to do it on our own. I've actually, um, I've joined forces with two of my really good design friends and we are relaunching a firm and 
just that is great congratulations <laughs> huge congratulations thank well thank you so much for coming on board being a guest on the podcast I know so many people will be blessed after listening oh, to this you. I appreciate you always now turn to the greatest Harry and Simone brings you oh, 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 oh my god straight off the number one and best selling book book it's the Fearless Faith and Hustle Podcast with Arian Simone. <laughs>